Welcome to this week's episode of Walking Between Worlds. I'm your co-host, John Mazzarella. And I'm your other co-host, Kylie Trout. We know that we all see the world differently, so join us as we walk through those differences together. Welcome to Walking Between Worlds, presented by Culture Bound. So are we ready to go? I think we're ready to go. Okay, let's get started. Let's do it. Well, welcome to episode two of Walking Between Worlds. I'm here, your co-host, John Mazzarella, along with some other people. Yep, I'm also here, your other co-host, Kylie Trout, and we have Terry Steele in the studio, in the studio the, with the us studio, today. Air quote, studio, yes. Hey, how's it going? Um, we say, quote-unquote, studio, because the whole COVID-19 outbreak has left us without a studio. Yep. <laughs> um, we're currently recording out of one of the small rooms in our church that actually most of our culture bound staff attend together. Um, and so we've got, we've got mics set up, we've got sound set up, we've got plenty of things recording. Mm -hmm. So got cords under the door. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thankfully we don't have wires going. Do we have wires going under the door today? We, we actually only have one. So oh. it's a lot better Yeah, than the last few times. Excellent. Excellent. We've downgraded to one wire under the doors. Yeah. <laughs> it's exciting times. Mm -hmm. So exciting. <laughs> but we're so thankful to have plenty to do during the outbreak currently. Our work has not slowed down for us at Culture Bound at all, which has mm -hmm. been such a blessing. Um, we've taken a lot of time to be re-updating our offices, um, did a lot of painting over the last couple of days, a lot of moving furniture around and rearranging. So that's actually been really great. Um, we did some recording. I know at the time this podcast episode is out here we'll have the full culture course online to take so if anyone's interested in what we talk about today you can take that deep dive into culture um, online at training.culturebound.org yeah, yeah totally totally um so today we're going to be talking about what culture actually is um some of the things that make up culture and we've brought in terry Steele to talk about some of those topics today terry would you mind introducing your role at culture bound and tell us a little bit about what you do yeah, I'm one of the trainers, but my main role is the director of academic programs, uh, which is a fancy way of saying I write articles, I write curricula, I teach, um, love to teach, um, and do research for, well, just about everyone at Culture Bound. So if we need to know what journal to publish something in, I'll go research on that. We need to find a new idea of education. Um, I'll do research on that. Uh, we want to know more about our audience. I'll go online and look for that type of stuff as well. Um, staying up with trends uh, in mission and in culture, uh, as well as kind of tracking where, um, where different cultures in different parts of the world are going so we can communicate better with them. You've been kind of making yourself an expert on culture for how long now? <laughs> Oh boy, um, a, a, about twenty-five years. Okay, that's wow. That's six years older than me. So that's, that's a few months older than me. <laughs> well, what can I say? So I'm, I'm 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 not old, but I'm not young. That's a very eloquent way to put that. <laughs> uh, there we go, eloquent. Yes, yeah. it means you have the knowledge and hopefully have the wisdom. Yeah, hopefully. Oh, he's got the wisdom. <laughs> got the wisdom. I give him a hard time now. <laughs> yes, you do, John. No, no excited to have you. What, what's um, like a task you might do in a day? Like what, what's kind of a day look like for you? And the day of Terry's work. 
Uh, usually I have someone come in and say, hey, um, I'm doing a, a, doing some writing on this. Could you mm-hmm. find out some of the contours of it? Uh, like Mark came in the other day and said, here's this uh, f- a psychological idea. They're applying it to culture. Is it valid? Mm-hmm. And so I took about five hours and looked at uh, everything came back. And I said, well, it's valid in these things, but it's kind of questionable in how you apply it. And he said, okay, that, that works. Or um, how this all started was, was you, John, came to me and said, so we need to start talking about podcast and do you have ideas? And so I said, well, let's sit down and do a little work. And um, out of that, Kylie came in and, and mm-hmm. we, we kind of worked out on the board and found out, oh, this works. Um, so I'm doing current research on um, how to make online training even better. Wow. Which is that's extremely applicable given that that's the only kind of training people are getting these days. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So we want to talk about, um, culture and, and just give a, a really broad baseline for what culture actually is. Okay. So culture is, Culture's big. Uh, the best way of, of talking about culture is it's kind of like a blank that, a blanket that overlays everything or maybe kind of like the, the mortar between the bricks. Mm-hmm. And it's not those things. You don't often see it, but you know it's there. Um, and we often can miss it when we're not watching for it. Um, obviously, we're we're going to see certain elements. We say, well, that's different. You know, what we find in Portland, Oregon is going to be different than Pensacola, Florida. Um, so it... it it kind of encompasses a lot of stuff. So it's um, a bunch of stuff that kind of works together in unison. It's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle or one of those 3D uh, puzzles where you have to fit it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have the, the first thing is it's um, an integrated system that includes behavior ideas and products. So it's those three things. And you say that covers a lot. It, it actually yeah. really does. <laughs> mm-hmm. So every culture and I would say, uh, uh, instead of saying culture, maybe we want to say people group. It's you say what's well, a people mm-hmm. group? It's it's a culture. It's a bunch of people who hang out together who are similar. So you usually can have cultures of you know several thousand to a number of million, um, but it's you know fairly large groups, and they all kind of have this expected an accepted way of behaving, um, that which is acceptable and that which isn't acceptable. Um, and the, the, the illustration I like to, to use is elevator etiquette. Mm. Um, right. And when you go in yeah. an elevator... You know what to do. Right. And where did you learn that? By watching other people do it. Right. Yeah. And does every culture have the same elevator etiquette? No, hardly ever. Right. right. So it's, you know, you talk at a certain level, you don't talk louder, you don't talk, you don't get people's space, uh, you face the right direction, you don't hit all the buttons. I mean, it's, it's those type of things where you say, okay, that's what's expected. And when you don't do that, people go, eh, we would call that antisocial behavior. Right. Um, so you act in a certain way. Hmm. Kind of um, like uh, the movie Elf has uh, that scene where he goes in and <laughs> hits all the buttons and gets up really close to people, people's space. And, uh-huh. and, it, it's, it's, and they make it funny. They make it yeah. comedy, but it's because it's opposite of the social norm. Yeah. That's exactly. why Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. love at the at the end of that little scene where he's getting out of the elevator and the doors are closing and he's like, wait, I forgot to give you a hug. And oh, we're yeah. all like, oh, no. No, like, wait, no. <laughs> the guy in the elevator very clearly <laughs> does not want a hug from this guy. Uncomfortable. <laughs> Super mm. uncomfortable. Right. And then you have um, ideas. So um, we think in a certain way in America. Uh, We are individualistic. Mm -hmm. We are kind of mechanistic. Um, It's kind of can do. It's let's get her done. Um, And those ideas uh, actually 
indicate how we act. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way we think is not the way other people think. Um, and that's where you kind of get into the, like this really detailed analysis of how people, what, what makes things valuable. And that's right. your ideas. So your philosophy and your rules and all that type of stuff and go, wow, mm-hmm. that's, there's a lot there. Um, yeah. but when you, again, when you, when you go contrary to that, uh, I grew up in the eighties. And I grew up uh, for about five years in Idaho. And one of the things you didn't say in Idaho is, I need help. Mm-hmm. Um, or it can't be done. Um, and those are actually, I, I would go so far to say at that point, and we still have some of that here now in the 2020s. But there's a, a, a point at which people would look at you and say, what, what are you talking about? Are you a real man? Um, mm. And they they didn't know why they felt that way. They just knew that's the way you did it. Right. Mm. So your identity as, as a man or even maybe as a as a woman, if you are one, like goes if you can't do something by yourself or you ask for help, your whole identity is in question at that point. It, 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 at one point, they would say that actually means you're not a real American. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 I've seen in my own experience that, yeah, that same implication. Yeah. But you (laughs) look at other places like Japan or China or India, and if you're not getting other people to help you, they're saying, really, seriously, you're breaking your back by doing it yourself. Right. And it even comes off as um, almost like selfish, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, You're not part of the community. You're not part of the people compared to, oh, you need everyone to help you, don't you? Yeah. 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 That might come across Mm. like, oh, you want all the glory for yourself or just totally self-seeking. Yeah. Well, and that would be an antisocial behavior there. Yeah. Oh, completely. Yeah. 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 Well, here it's like grab yourself by your shoestrings and not you just get some stuff done. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, pull yourself up by the bootstrap was a thing that was very big as I was growing up, uh, and that's you know pretty typical for American culture. Mm-hmm. Um, now we've seen things shift um, for various reasons, but yeah, yeah, that's that's it. You say that mentality has that kind of added to the whole hustle culture. I don't know if you're familiar with with that term. Uh, very much so. Okay. Um, we are. Yeah. I mean that that's that's a big deal. Like um, um, right now, I hear a lot about rise and grind is the new mm. is the new thing that's yeah. not a new thing, <laughs> a new thing? <laughs> no we just called it nose to the grindstone nose to the grindstone it's yeah. that kind of just reinvention of that those same ideals and values yeah just because we use different, different. words doesn't mean we don't have a di- the same idea that's something mm. that's been consistent for boy a long mm. time mm. and then third part is um and we can come back to any of these if we need to to illustrate or, yeah. or clarify the totally. last one is products typical of a people group and you say products like what Mm. um like cell phones you know Mm. um you know we didn't invent chopsticks you know that would be asia why because they they think differently so they have different products um uh we have well the the illustration that's kind of funny is in asia you use chopsticks in Mexico, you use tortillas. You can't mm. have a meal without tortillas. In a lot of the Western world, you use silverware. Um, and in America, we'll use silverware, but we invented the spork. <laughs> and the, the joke is, so are we so lazy we can't put down our, fo- our spoon to pick up our fork? Or are we just pragmatic and say we got to get things done so we don't have time for this? And we just it's, – it's, it's the hustle. Okay. Um, so those are products typical of a culture. Right. So products then um – end up representing maybe a value of the culture. Oh, completely. Yeah. It reflects yeah. that. Like so. I think of, um, you know, in America specifically, we have a lot of cars. Like every, yes. you know, in my household, everyone wants their own car, you know, yep. versus 
somewhere that's a little less individualistic or a little less it's my, all about my agenda yeah they're sharing cars between families or mass or, transit or yeah yeah, yeah exactly okay hmm. yeah so a lot, when you actually look at the product of a culture you say oh wow um and here's the funny thing the arts are a product of the culture mm. Mm. you mm. want to know where a culture is going listen to the artist now mm-hmm. you have to filter out a lot of stuff you can't go on top 40 radio or is it now spotify or whatever you can't top listen hundred to, yeah you can't you yeah, can't spotify. listen to those music and say it's the same music over and over and over and over again um and you also say you have to filter out all the, well, we're in love or we're in lust or whatever. Um, filter those things out, which are real typical of human uh, arts. But what are they talking about? Um, and you get some of these like Post Malone or even I think you've shown me Halsey, um, where there are some really big, deep culture uh, stuff, some real emotional, mm-hmm. deep-seated beliefs. Mm-hmm. People go, boy, that really resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they like Chance the Rapper, Childish oh, yeah. Gambino, and oh, they completely. touch on some really, really tough yeah. subjects that yeah. are really specific to our culture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I just, I think I just wanted to clarify, um, you know, culture, yes, it's geography specific. Like, since we're, we live in America and not Japan, our our patterns look really different. But it's also like, there are plenty of people around me in in Portland that have a different upbringing, a different culture, Um, even from me to you, like there's a significant age, age gap. Significant. And so, and that affects the way that we think, like you're going to approach something much differently than me, not much differently, but there's, there's nuances to that. So I guess the question I'm asking, it's not even a question really, but like just to notate that there's a, yes, culture spans different places in the world, but it also affects the same places. Yeah. You, you can have what we would call subcultures or sure. microcultures. So African-American culture as opposed to Latino culture, as opposed to Caucasian uh, culture. Mm-hmm. You also have geographic, micro-geographic regions. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Guy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name drop here. A book that was done in the 1980s called uh, The Nine Nations of North America, hmm. where he actually talked about the geographic regions uh, affecting how people think and act. So the Pacific Northwest is different than, you know, Eastern Oregon, Eastern Washington is different than New York. We're all Americans, but there are some nuances that are different. When we talk mm-hmm. about, um, and I know people want to talk about generational differences, but if we could broaden that out to to something even bigger, uh, moderns and the emerging culture. So moderns would be like anything boomer or older, boomer, silent, World War II generation. And then emerging culture would be part of Gen X, maybe the whole whole thing of Gen X, uh, millennials and Gen Z, mm-hmm. there's, in the 1990s, we had a split that took place because uh, that's when those kids kind of came of age. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, you know, in their 20s. And there's a different way of thinking. Um, at one point I taught, I, te- I teach at our church, and at one point I was teaching the same passage in a senior citizen's Bible study, and a night earlier I was teaching a group of high schoolers from the same passage, and it was the same lesson. And what I discovered is I couldn't teach the same lesson to both groups because mm-hmm. they couldn't understand each other. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had I used different illustrations because 
illustrations were different. Mm-hmm. I had to use different language to explain things, certain terms that the senior citizens would just be either appalled by or confused <laughs> by. Yeah. Um, and then if you don't change it for the young people, there's a, a, a massive misunderstanding of what you mean. Uh, that's right. not what that word means. So you almost have to be bicultural to function these days. Totally. Well, and now <laughs> that class that I've I've ended up going to for about a, about a year, not anymore, but it's not just senior citizens anymore. No, no, it's now, well, you and my niece decided to bring in all your friends and <laughs> it's been wonderful. It's multi-generational, which yeah. makes it very challenging to teach uh-huh. because, and, and we're sticking with the Bible, but it's very challenging to teach and often ends up being older people. Let me explain the younger people, younger people. Let me explain to the older people. And it's, it's yeah. almost like a translation as uh, right. part of the whole process, and you guys have been incredibly patient and in, and in, and really learning from one another. It's been right. really incredible. But that, if there was no way of explaining the difference, that's two cultures in there at least. Right. And then we have people from other parts of the world that come in, and mm. you know, suddenly you're you're appealing to you know four to five different audiences, and it's like, wow, this is this is a lot. Totally. Well, and I think it's really cool though in that class because. I've, I had found myself, you know, learning more about an older generation, you know, like we were in in that learning about each other across that gap. Yeah. And, and again, the illustrations I can give to the older people and the younger people, it does differ. Growing up, I've lived in a few different states across the United States. Just a few. Just a few. um, A lot of them. (laughs) But very, very much the different corners of the U.S. And the biggest difference that I can remember as a kid and applying it now was being here in the Pacific Northwest. And even acquaintances usually I'll give at least a small hug to, you know, or, or something. At least one of those like half hugs with, you know, you grab the hand and do the half hug. It's the bro hug. The bro hug, Yeah. But um, in my experience in Missouri, in the the that uh, the South kind of places, it wasn't a lot of hugs, even among acquaintances or close friends. It was very much those handshakes. Um, wow! Just just as a normal greeting. Same country, different. Right. And different that greeting. Is, that cool. is one of the, the the main differences that I that I notice with social greetings, at least that I could I could pick up on before I had this training. <laughs> Well, now look at the hugs in the Pacific Northwest, and then let's go to Naples, Italy, mm-hmm. where Napo- Napolitanos, uh, and not even Italians, Napolitanos, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they they think you know everyone else is in Italy, but they're the real Italians. Right. Um, you kiss on both cheeks. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. it's, I mean, very close distance. Um, I mean, even when you're arguing, it's only a few inches away from each other. Um, completely different. Uh, whereas... In other cultures, it's completely different. Huge distance. Americans aren't the ones that have the biggest instances yeah. uh, in terms of their kind of their bubble. Um, right now, we're talking about social spacing, and some cultures are going to have a terrible time with that, and others going to be like, "All right, that's cool, that's normal." Yeah, right. Yep. <laughs> hmm. I remember in Guatemala, I visited when I was like fourteen, and um, people greeting with with a with a you know kiss on the cheek. That that was a new experience for me coming from <laughs> you know like the South and the, the, and the East where that was not very much so a big thing. Yeah. I (laughs) I felt that way visiting South America when I was in high school, even being from Portland, it was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, this is really close. (laughs) I I like you. I'm glad I've met you, but I don't, I don't know. You want to take a step back when they come in. Exactly. Your reaction is to back away and, but you don't want to, um, you want to be careful about accommodating them when Mm -hmm. you're in their culture. So it's like, 
Yeah. The yeah. funny thing is we have uh, a lot of uh, Cuban in, mm-hmm. uh, immigrants in our church, and they go in for the conversation, and whenever I walk into a crowd of Cubans, I have to nail my feet to the floor so that I yep. don't back off. Mm-hmm. Um, and you let them come in, and it's just like, okay, I have to. you have to think your way of thinking because their way of thinking is different than ours. Exactly. And that doesn't make it bad. It just makes it different. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Future episode call out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So when you were explaining culture, you mentioned the term thought pattern. Yeah. So I was just wondering um, what you exactly meant by thought pattern, because I can kind of grasp the idea of like what a thought pattern is, but can you explain a little bit deeper, maybe use some examples with culture? So there are two different forms of thought pattern, um, and and one is kind of your philosophy, your conscious philosophy, how life works, um, and all your rules and all your behaviors and all your your filter comes from that. Um, and, and it's kind of what you expect out of life. This is how life works. Uh, and that's one form of thought pattern, but that changes periodic. Every 10, 20 years, you're going to shift to a new philosophy. But then there's kind of the unconscious stuff, the stuff that mm-hmm. you're not aware of. Um, and that's where we get to kind of like the, the big differences between cultures. Um, you mentioned uh, social distancing. Um America is a highly individualistic nation, mm-hmm. nation, and when I talk about highly individualistic, I don't know there has been another culture that we've studied that has ever been this high. I mean, at least within the study of culture, mm. um, maybe somewhere in the past, but um, we are one step away from being uh, uh, an island of hermits. Mm. Uh, when you look at the original uh, pre-constitution law, they didn't want people to get in each other's faces. And so they basically wrote these laws for the nation, you know, a few states, that was one step shy of anarchy. It was just supposed to be there to make sure the national government doesn't let people kill each other. And mm-hmm. they realized they needed more restraint, which is where we get the Constitution. Is As freedom is, as much freedom we have there, that's considered restraint because we're so individualistic. Well, it you look at Mexico, not at all. That's the entire family, yeah. the entire group. Or Japan, where it's all shame and honor. A lot of Asia right. is shame and honor. We don't get up in the morning and say, how are my decisions going to affect my family? We say, all right, this is my decision. Totally. And that's, I mean, I think that's kind of where the question's going. Like, are we talking about yeah. um, innocence, guilt culture? Are we talking about honor, shame? Are we talking about thought patterns as in we think in a straight line versus we think in kind of a roller coaster of You're going to hate me to say this. The answer is yes. Yeah. All those things are included. And when we actually talk about uh, the technical term would be deep culture or core values or, you know, whatever, you know, a lot of different terms from that. Um, it's kind of the the thing that drives us that we're not even aware of. Yeah. Um, you know, when you talk about uh, people who aren't Americans, say, how do you understand Americans to be? What's the big thing that describes them? And they say, they're not good at relationships. And we go, yeah, we are. <laughs> and it's kind of like you look at other cultures and you go, oh, oh no, we're not. Okay. <laughs> or we're individualistic or we're mechanistic. And it, yeah, that's all these labels. But when you look at what it really means is, um, you were t- John, you were talking about the um, grinded out culture. Mm-hmm. That's, we want to be successful. Yeah. And mm. we want to be successful on our own, which means in principle at least, 
if we're going to succeed on our own or we're going to get all the accolades, we're going to take responsibility for the mess-ups. So you accept responsibility for your mess-ups and you get the accolades for your triumphs. Mm. Um, that's really American. We are success orientation. Mm. Uh, other cultures say, um, you know, let's work together. And it's like, well, okay. Um, we we love to analyze everything. We love you know, to, to figure all these things out, uh, asked my students over the years, how many of you think if we got all the smartest people in a room together, we'd be able to solve all the world's problems. And, um, this is where you talk about the culture difference within America. The moderns Mm. say absolutely. And the emerging culture says what, but the emerging culture, as much as they say, no, 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 that's not true. They still lean on that as much as we say, no, 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 we're not rationalistic. They still use rationalism to prove things. Hmm. So there are a lot of deep stuff within the American culture um, that, or any other culture that makes us who we are. Um, and there are libraries of, of books written on these things. On our video on demand, uh, our coursework, um, I did an entire lecture on American cultural patterns, which Ooh, yes. is a way of explaining that. That's actually about a, a half hour uh, oh, explanation yeah. on some of these things we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it drives everything. Every culture has these thought patterns, these deep thought patterns that drive them. But most people are not aware what those are. We just know it's different and it feels uncomfortable. Right. And that'll be, that'll be episode four is going into American culture, Yep. which I'm, oh my goodness. I think that's going to, that's like the one I am most excited to go into. I think through my time working at Culture Bound, it's been learning more about myself and why I think the way that I think down to, down to the core of why I think the way I think (laughs) that's been the most helpful and eye opening as to like, okay, this is why approaching another culture feels the way it does, you know? Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I felt the same. Yeah. And that court, that actually what you're referring to American cultural patterns, it's up on our website as a freebie, I believe mm-hmm. uh, training.culturebound.org. Yeah. Check it out. You can watch it. It's up there for free. It's a free resource for people. And there's also some paid content too, if you want to dig a little bit deeper. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Would you be able to give some more examples of, you know, what, what makes up culture as far as ideas, products, and behaviors go that that would help clarify that? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, like the products, um, I think of houses as a, a great example of that. Uh, on the East Coast, Virginia, you're going to have very colonial houses, very traditional. Okay. Um, in Chicago, you're going to have very, not all of them, but there's a lot of like avant-garde art deco mm. um uh, uh uh experimental type of housing uh-huh. uh, well they're like one of the big art capitals in the world um and then on the west coast we number of houses that are made with these huge big uh, uh, uh like redwood houses mm. or uh you know log cabins or just i mean our style of living it's yeah we we uh we we're not a colonial east coast power we have a very different feel um well why well because of the environment we live in we have a ton of rain and so we need to have roofs that are going to be able to slough off the um uh the rainwater as well as not grow moss too quickly Mm. um you know in japan they're going to use a lot of bamboo for some of their houses well why because there's a lot of bamboo there um so in terms of products Everything about us. Uh, you, you think about, here's a really funny one. Um, when you actually look at the color that we all wear, 
um, Pacific Northwest is a lot of dark tones during nine months out of the year because it's a lot of rain. Mm -hmm. You got down to Southern California and it's these bright, wild, almost riotous colors. You go to Miami and it's not only all the bright, riotous colors. It's, I mean, it's, it's bizarre. It's, it's, it's like really, really creative stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it, does that actually explain some of the culture? Well, yeah, because because we're a different mix of people, we're different places. Um, so in terms of products, there's so many things that we take for granted: uh, technology, uh, gaming, uh, 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 in media, uh, entertainment, uh, and then you start getting into uh, products of of, um, you know, eating or food or, mm. uh, food is a very interesting behavior. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Portland's become a foodie town and, um, yet it has a real Portland flair to it. Mm. Um, as opposed to other big cities like New York, where it has very much, this is New York deal with it. Um, yeah. very creative. We're a huge mix, I think. Oh my, mm. yes. And so it's, it's a little, um, uh, it doesn't follow a lot of the same rules, but it follows kind of the same pattern. Sure. Um, so that's your products and then your ideas. Um, again, you're starting to get into some of those thought patterns mm-hmm. um, in the Pacific North. Well, on the West Coast, we're very tech, high tech industry. And part of that is, you know, we have Microsoft or Boeing or or Nike or, you know, Silicon Valley. And that's so why is all the tech coming here to the have has it come to the west coast uh, probably environment probably the type of people attracts um and so you have all these high-tech industries that uh, but you say well what about like japan or china who's also high-tech absolutely mm-hmm. but our operating systems uh follow a certain pattern of thought uh certain ways of thinking um the questions we ask how does this work or how can we make this work or how do we solve this problem uh, what i find so fascinating with uh the current crisis we're in is um that the politicians are now calling on private industry to help solve these problems um and so you're getting companies from around the u.s uh there was a distillery on the east coast that said can we help make hand sanitizer that's right Hmm. that's not something we would think about in the pacific northwest we're thinking how can we track the virus Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's just you know that's who we are, hmm. that's what we're about, um, and that's kind of the way we think as well as what we produce. So what we how we think mm-hmm. does interlink with how we what we um, how we behave and what we produce. Yeah. yeah. So do thought patterns equal values? Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not conscious of our f- deep values. I mean, it's like we. We, we value certain things, you know, you, you go to a, a Christian school and you say, well, what's your deep value? Well, I'm a Christian. Well, why? Oh, because my parents taught me that. Well, why? Because their parents taught them. Why? Because someone explained the gospel to them. Well, why? Because Jesus is important. Well, why? Because we want to have salvation. Well, why? Because we don't want to go to hell. So essentially, your Christianity is boiled down to that you, you are afraid of hell. Well, mm-hmm. is that what it is? Well, no, it's it's more than that, but we're not aware of what's deeper than that. So mm-hmm. that's just kind of your conscious philosophy. Um, and you can always nudge it into, well, that's a selfish philosophy if, if you don't know what's behind it. But we often don't think about those things. Sure, yeah. Um, so thought patterns can be values, but again, you have kind of the surface values, which are mm-hmm. actually 
pretty important. Um, it's kind of like how you make life work. But then you have kind of the deep motivators. The um, yeah, We talk about the water you swim in. Hmm. If we were fish, the last thing you would discover is the water you swim in. Right. And it permeates us. And we assume everyone sees the world the same way. Uh, when we were talking about the podcast, um, I use the phrase, people don't live in the same world with different labels. People live in different, in different worlds. worlds. And you grabbed that and said, walking between worlds. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a lot of what the podcast is about, is looking at how people think differently. Mm-hmm. How can you look at other people and how they think if you don't even know how you think yourself? Exactly. Uh, which is, again, where American Cultural Patterns, episode number four, four. comes in. Going back to the food example really cl- fast, because it's, it's kind of a fun one. I think that's really applicable to everybody. You like the food culture, John. I like, I like the food culture. Who I like doesn't? talking about food. <laughs> So examining food culture is fun. Uh, so I, I watch a lot of, you know, uh, stuff on the Food Channel. Yeah. Uh, I've been watching uh, MasterChef. Okay. And, you know, you have Gordon Ramsay and some other very big name judges on there. Yep. And they're always, you know, critiquing dishes. And it's just funny to see how these people bring in these dishes to these European, you know, five, two, three Michelin star chefs or whatever. And they think it's the best thing in the world, and they'll just spit it out and throw it in the trash. <laughs> and you're thinking, okay, why would you present that to Gordon Ramsay, knowing like the TV show and knowing him and what he thinks? You know, it might be this. Uh, I think of this really greasy, kind of noodly, cheesy dish that someone brought once. It's like, why would you even do that? You know, bring it. To, and then I, I was thinking about how we, you know, we value food differently. Yeah. To them, that is like the epicenter of food. Like that's, that's yep. the stuff that is the best to them. Yep. That's that comfort Southern greasy food. Yep. So of course, you know, a European chef who's used to, you know, paying $500 for a steak looks at that and goes, yeah, no, I'm not putting that in my body. <laughs> but this, that disconnect there, I was trying to figure out like, how would you even think that's something that they would enjoy? Right. Well, Cause that's what you enjoy. But yeah. Well, and that's, again, it's a, it's a taste bud thing, but your mm. your culture teaches you what you like. And it's funny is Ratatouille actually plays off of that, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, completely. So you have so that last much. scene, no spoilers, but it's been out for a while. <laughs> you haven't come seen on. Ratatouille. Like, get with it. If you yeah. haven't seen Ratatouille, pause the podcast, <laughs> pause the go podcast. watch it and come back yeah. for an illustration of five seconds. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a but good movie. It is, it is a good I love that movie, yeah. But at the end part, you know, you have a, uh, he makes the dish ratatouille or, right? That's what it's called, right? The dish. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Always forget. The, the, he makes a dish ratatouille and for the really big critic and the critic, you know, tastes it and then is reminded of his home and of his mother making that for him. And that was a value for him. That, that type of food, those tastes, but made that connection. Memory and, maker. Yeah. He, he loved it. Yeah. No, that that's you're getting so close to deep culture on that. It's okay. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The food is again, it's comfort, you know, right. and that's what you're com- used to. But it's different for everyone. So when you look at some of those great chefs, what are they used to? Hmm. Um, what if you were to have you know a group of Japanese or uh, South Korean food judges? Would they judge you know the the cheese dish differently? Right. And that's what I I realized too watching through that there is a chef um, that is from America. And the other, there's one from Italy and there's one, Gordon's from one of the European countries, I forget. But the American chef is more likely to say yes to greasy dishes than the other two are. Yeah. There's, because there's a different flavor to it. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of, I mean, that, that kind of gets to your unconscious, uh, 
uh, likes and dislikes. And that's not something that you are born with. It's something that you learn. Hmm. Um, so, you know, you feed your kids different things. And as you walk through the, the process of them growing up and their taste buds mature, these are the things they like. Right. And we're going to get into that in a few episodes later about how culture actually kind of develops and, and how that works. Just wonderful. Briefly. Yeah. Is that, isn't that next episode with Natalie? Oh, is that the next? Maybe that's next, maybe that's next episode. Yeah. Where does culture come from? Where I does think? culture yeah. come yep. from? Yeah, yeah. 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 So the next question, what, what constitutes culture? What defines culture? And we touched on a little bit last episode of, you know, culture is not static. You know, you can't grab onto something and say this is culture. Right. But, you know, in a dynamic culture, what makes that up? There are four, we'd say four main things. And there are all these subsets behind it. And, it, it you know, you cut one open, it just blasts open all this other stuff. And it's, mm-hmm. again, we've talked about behavior. Right. Um, and then you talk about um, rules and there, there's kind of like written and unwritten rules. There's kind of the motivating idea of your philosophy. You have the, and ironically, this is where economics come in. Um, economics having power in our life. Yeah. yeah I mean, absolutely. Yeah. We're seeing, um, you know, you can only drive so much because of the cost of gas or mm. the cost of a car or, you know, how much schooling can I do? Well, it costs a lot of money. So how much money do you have? And those are almost like controlling forces. Yeah. But, you know, the behavior comes from these written and unwritten rules. Mm -hmm. And again, we talked about elevator etiquette is one of those unwritten rules uh, driving on the road. Here in Oregon, we are, are, um, we tend to be a little more conservative in some areas. So the fastest speed limit we have in the Portland area is 65 miles an hour. And everyone knows that when you see 65 miles an hour, you drive up to 70 to 75. And some of my students would say, 80 if there are no cops around. Okay, great. Well, why? <laughs> True. Because there's yeah. there's a written rule of 65, and then there's the unwritten, and five to seven above that is acceptable, but eight is when you get in trouble with the police. Hmm. Um, well, where's that written down? Well, yeah, it's t- the, the handbook, but even there, when did you find out about the, the five to seven miles above that? Or just, you know, like going with the flow of traffic. Oh, completely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's the what we would call like the rules. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and again, then you get to kind of like the history and the history of the culture you're in or the history of your family or your own personal experiences. Yes. Uh, I've said for a while, um, I, I use the illustration of 9 11 uh, for a long time. Uh, and before that, I, I would use the illustration of where were you when the Challenger blew up? And that was kind of iconic. That was my senior year of high school. And we watched that at school and I was like, oh my word. Um, and I was saying with the emerging culture, they don't have and I they don't have an iconic moment. And so when the COVID-19 uh, uh, crisis came about, I said, this is your moment. This is a culturally defining moment. Yeah. And that's a shared history you have. That's mm. something that all of us will be able to say, do you remember where you were when COVID broke out? Wow. Yeah. I and that, where was I? <laughs> I feel like that took a few days to kind of settle, though. But when did you actually say, oh, this is serious? Oh, man, it was it was last Thursday. Yeah, exactly. I was at work and yeah. my wife kept on texting me. What about this, this, this? And I was like, well, they're shutting this down and they're shutting that down. And mm-hmm. it was like, I remember her saying, oh, man, this is serious. Yeah. And that's the moment where I went, yeah, OK, oh, yeah. this is. Everything sort of shut yeah. down. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah. things are shutting down, but. 
I didn't really get feel affected by it until mm. I went into school on Monday. I was oh, supposed to have yeah. two finals and the second one was canceled. Yep. Or I walked into the first one and they were like spray down all the desks, spray down everything. Yep. And mm. then every one person to each table, like, and that's it. Yep. And then I got to my next final and it was canceled and I was like, what the heck? And then all schools shut down and I, my other job is in schools. And so I'm like, yep. That's a whole month of work. Like, hello. Yeah. And that's going to be the thing that affects you. You're going to remember where that yeah. happened. And, yeah. and we as a world will remember. This is one of the first truly global memory makers that I, yeah. I since World War II, that I'm aware of. Seriously. And that's going to affect things pretty significantly. So, um, and you say, how does it affect my family? How does it affect my, my, uh, my, my community? How does it affect me? And it's those, those, history-making events um, or, uh, you know, uh, our history going all the way back to the founders. Um, the the interesting stat I found was that um, when they talked about, as American, uh, you, you talk about our forefathers from the UK, and they asked, uh, in a, I think, a non-official poll a number of years ago, who was the most hated villain in UK history? And they said, George Washington. Mm-hmm. And we as Americans say, but he's one of our founding fathers. He's a hero. Exactly. It depends on your perspective. Yep. Yep. And so that's that's where those things shape you. That's, that's level number three. And then you have the deep culture that we were talking about. And I don't want to go too far into that because we'll talk about that with um, American cultural patterns. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that make culture up. And you say, well, that covers a lot. Well, yeah, yeah. actually, it covers a lot. Everything, almost. Wow. Yeah, I, th- I think you can probably argue that. Um, so when you talk about things that come out of a culture that signify a culture, um, I mean, let's talk about religion or worship. Or, uh, I mean, do you think the people in America worship the same way as the people in Guatemala or oh, no. northern India? Definitely. Or No, but you can have the same religion, Christianity, hmm. but it, it looks so different. Right. And uh, when you, you begin to define your Christianity as a way of doing things as opposed to a relationship with God— you, you, and I've seen this many, many times. Well, if you're a Christian, you have to do this. Well, why? Because that's the right way of doing it. No, that's culture. Mm-hmm. And yep. so we often mix up our beliefs with our culture and say they're one and the same thing. Our exit question for today, just to get things wrapped up, behavioral patterns get passed down from parents to children. And so throughout your family history, can you notice some patterns that have been passed down to you and what might those say about the deep rooted values in your family? Wow. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. Example of that would be rituals during holidays. For example, I, my mom comes from a Mennonite culture and uh, Mennonite very similar to Amish or some of the others. And during Easter, they would bake something called Easter bread in these huge ovens. And then you would sometimes have to break the outdoor oven down to get it onto the cart. And you used a lot of eggs. So you would tie the eggs to the tree in front of your house and then use the uh, horse or ox cart to haul the bread to church so that you could show the people this is the wealth that God has given me. Um, Really interesting. And it's it's a very delightful bread um, that is, for my family, it's iconic. If I get through Easter without eating eating a piece of the semi-sweet Easter bread, I feel like I haven't done Easter right. Okay. On Thanksgiving, um, having some strong Italian roots, my dad would always make pasta and homemade meatballs. 
Mm. So we we have less like we weren't huge turkey fans. So turkey wasn't the staple, and ham definitely was not in the picture at all. It was always the homemade meatballs and the pasta sauce, and then yeah. you throw in the mashed potatoes, of course. But There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So that's that's been Thanksgiving growing up. So when I would go over to friends' house for Thanksgiving, be like turkey or ham. What? <laughs> where's where's the meatballs? <laughs> So imagine when people get married and they bring their two traditions traditions together and say, this is Easter or this is Christmas, and they don't agree. Mm-hmm. Where do you go with that? Depends how harshly they disagree. Like, right. I mean, there's a lot that my mom brought into our family from her side that wasn't brought in from my dad's side, but the two can coexist. You know, some things get brought down and some things don't. Yeah, it's not a right or wrong thing. No. It's what does my family history do? Right, yeah. right. Um, one that's not food based necessarily, but you know, like for birthdays growing up, we would have, you know, either the night of your birthday or the night before or night after you have like a family birthday party and family celebrates that together. You don't invite close friends. It's just immediate family. And then like a week later or a few days later, whenever you can have another party with like your friends and, or, or extended family can come to that too. So I don't know what that says about values necessarily. Maybe like, you know, family comes first or if that was something important to my family or a lot of the families in the church growing up, it's like, yeah, you have a family birthday and then you can have a friend's birthday. (laughs) Nice. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Terry, for being here. Thank you so Um, much for being here. Thank you for the opportunity. This has been fun. Yay. Awesome. Looking forward to having you back a few times. Oh, yeah. Over the next two oh, episodes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll spend a little time yeah. together. I feel like we yeah. could just talk for hours. We have. We have. We literally have. <laughs> all right. So that is all for today's episode. Please send your responses from the exit question into podcast at culturebound.com. Um, and we'd love to uh, reply to those, mm-hmm. um, get to know a little bit about where you come from. Um, yeah. What are your, some, some of your family traditions? We want to hear about those. Yeah, absolutely. Cause those say something about what, what you value as a family. Um, so yeah, thank you for tuning in this week. Please check again, check in again with us next week for a new episode. Next week's episode should be on where does culture come from? How does it shift over time? And we'll be looking at that again with Terry and then we'll have Natalie Kim in as well to talk on We'd love to hear your response to the episode or any questions on culture you'd like answers to that we didn't cover today. Feel free to send your response and questions in an email to podcast at culturebound.com so that we can answer your questions. You can also support us by liking our Facebook page, following our Instagram account at culturebound.official, subscribe to our email updates through our website, or you can set up a donation through our website as well. That would be culturebound.com. We also going to have all of the podcasts in written form on blogs, on Medium, or on our website. So if you'd like to read instead of listen, you can also have that choice too. And if you want to dig a little bit deeper into culture and learn more, we offer very affordable classes on our website, culturebound.com. Yep, we have a, an introductory course that's up there for a pretty low price. And that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>